Hello. Welcome back to another week of the DP World Tour Picks and Bets. Skylar Hoke here with Tom Jacobs. Tom, no better way to start the year, my friend. One event and one outright winner. Oh, man, was that a beautiful Sunday for us. How you feeling? It's good. I mean, that's back-to-back years now. We obviously like Yes Links because we had Thomas Peters last year as well. Uh, hopefully, it's not going to be like the end and like you just peaked too early. <laughs> um, this this horrible, grisly little beard I've got going on, I'm almost scared to shave it off now because, you know, it's almost like a playoff beard or whatever. So, I'm sure by the end of this week, I can shave it off. Um, but, no, I mean, you can't ask for a better start than the 1-2 finish. I guess if we're being really, like, fussy, like Guido and Francesco are both there for a long time as well. Yeah, I mean, we were all over it. I mean, there's weeks that you just have it, and and last week, thankfully, was one of them, um, right? I mean, outside of what Luke Donald was the first round leader, right? Donald was, and uh, outside of that, he led by one. So the rest of the rounds, we had somebody in first place after every single round, right? Yeah. Um, and and that's just a, a fun way to start the year, and you know, we we had a, a beat on the course, and, and and they played well. I think the Hero Cup advantage definitely. Um, was a way to go after it as a lot of guys had rust um, kind of going into it. And it was great to see Victor Perez that shot on 17, literally one of the best golf shots I've ever seen. Unbelievable. Yeah. It's weird because like, I didn't really buy too much into the hero stuff. I know obviously you gave a lot of data sort of backing up why you did it. And, and Brad was very high on it on the best one kind of led you guys, I think to Victor Perez in a sense, but mine was more to do with the kind of uh, Kyle Phillips stuff with the Bernardus and, and worried one before. So <clears throat> different ways of getting to the same result is great. Um, yeah, and I mean, to be honest, I think Mimu Lee could have won it as well. Like, uh, either of those two players winning it would have been absolutely fine. I mean, for me, I mean, it's great for us that, that Perez won, but like, I, I thought that Mimu Lee was really unlucky actually. He he burnt the edge on seven for, for an eagle and actually ends up with a birdie. He had a couple of birdie putts go by. I, I didn't see 17, so I don't know how he bogeyed 17, but I imagine it wasn't great. Um, yeah, he got. He was in the bunker. I guess he was just missed the bunker. Didn't get up and down. Missed a six footer. Burned the edge. Yeah. So, so really and truly, I think like he played incredibly well. The 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 conversations between him and his caddy all day were really synced, really precise, well followed. And if he can rein in all his, because he's very aggressive. If he can rein it in and tidy his game up, he's going to be a force. I think. Oh yeah, I mean this is the best stretch. That was been that's been the the men will come. We'll talk about him in a little bit, right? Yeah. We'll get into him, but yes, I mean, Perez did not basically give up any opportunity that he had. There wasn't any really mistakes outside of a triple on Thursday, everything he capitalized on obviously 18 was uh, almost a disaster, but um, yeah, he, he did everything he really needed to do. Um, it was good for him. I, I to was win. just waiting for Soderbergh just to kill us. Like he was, oh. he was right there, wasn't he? And he, he oh, didn't get sure. up and down. And uh, if, nope. if he had not done that, Wow, if he'd have birdied, it could have been a, a really horrible result for us. 100%. I mean, I had the flashbacks of Fox when Perez ripped yeah. it out. That's what it was. It was a two-stroke lead going into 18. You have that swing, and then you just never know. Um, but, yeah, we stay um, in, in this part of the world, too, as we go to, um, you know, the, the Dubai Desert Classic this week. Uh, a course that we've seen longer than Yas Links, uh, Emirates Golf Club. Um, and the big difference from, from last week to this week is, is one golfer, right? Um, and it's, it's Rory McIlroy. I mean, we're seeing what's happening on the PGA Tour right now with John Rahm. Similar odds, shorter odds for, for Rory um, over here. I think we just have to discuss it off the top. How do you approach the week when you have somebody of, of his form and caliber and success, you know, here teeing it up? See, I think 
so Jason put it to me like, who would I rather bet uh, Rory or Rahm in their respective event? And I said Rahm, and the other two disagreed. And I and I, and I get it. You, you would say that Rory is like a clear level above DPT, DP World Tour fields, right? And Rahm is actually amongst five or six of the other better players in the world at Tory Pines. But I think that Rahm's skill set just goes way beyond in a differential, and it highlights that at Tory Pines. Whereas he won last week at a basically a passing contest, as he likes to call it. Whereas I think when Rory is the absolute nailed-on favourite to win, no question, is the best player in the field. I think that's when he struggles the most. Like you see him come over to these DP World Tour events, and he doesn't always have it. And that's look, he, he is the second-best golfer in the world right now. John Rahm is the best, and they are clear one and two above everybody else. I think he can be beaten, and I think it's great that he boosts the value of the rest of the field. Yeah, I mean, so what? He, he's probably, I mean, a lock to come in the top 10, right? He's probably yeah. going to take away one of the places. If you look at his last DP World Tour finishes, fourth, 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 second, third, 12th. Um, you know, you'd have to go all the way back. I'm trying to think when it would have been, Tom. His last DP World Tour win. 2019 i think it's even deeper than that and, and, um, and like he is always coming into these i know he's he's playing probably better than he has done the last couple of years coming to the dp world tour i would say uh he seems to certainly get his mojo back in 2022 but rory mcelroy is not a different golfer to the one that's been playing these dp world tour events for the last four years right so yeah i mean he won twice on the pga tour in 2021 three times in 2022 um, so I'm not saying that I don't think there's a problem with him winning. I think he's absolutely fine to win. That he is the best golfer by a mile in his field. But for some reason, he just struggles. His first event of the year. Um, he's got a lot coming up, a lot to deal with, a lot of distractions. I just think, I mean, he put it in the water here last year, didn't he? To Mr. Blair? Yeah. Um, believe. Yeah. So I looked. So 2016, the Irish Open was his last DP World Tour win. Isn't that wild? Yeah, I mean, I guess you count because you count the WGC, but like literally just DP World Tour event is 2016. Yeah, I mean, and it's been probably 20, 25 events, you know. And he's and he's, he's he's lost uh, two playoffs since then as well. He's lost to Graham Storm. But, and- I mean, he he could absolutely stomp the field. Like that's that's in the realm of possibility. We always say that, and they never do. Like we always say, yeah. like these guys could lap the field, and they never do. Like John Rahm won't lap the field at Tory Pines. If he wins, he'll win by two. It, yeah, I, I think he, I think he should contend, and he should be in the top five. And I have no doubts that he can win. I don't, I don't. After all this being said, I don't think he's like going to choke or anything like that. I just think that how hard it is to win a golf tournament, and and how hard he finds it is the absolute clear favourite. Um, I'm not going to take the, the three to one or nine to two, whatever it is, to to back him. No, we're ripping this board, Tom. Up and down. We're ready to go. Um, and I think that's really what we'll just jump into here next. Um, yeah. we'll, we'll, we'll be a little speedy, I think, with it, with our selections this week. And we kind of um, have a, a maybe a little bit more spread out card than we did last week. Um, you know, we have Hatton, Fleetwood, Lowry um, still sitting sub 20 to 1 this week back in the field. Uh, very disappointing Sunday from Lowry. You know, he was the one that going to bed Saturday night yeah. was incredibly concerned about. Uh, but we aligned. We aligned on our first selection um, of the tournament. It's a shorter odds. It's somebody we, we just discussed. And I don't know if there's anybody better right now outside of those, you know, obviously Roy Rahm from a standpoint, I think it's a stretch to say, but man, Min Woo, it, it's, it's really, 
really good, and I think it's a perfect course fit. Rory's the only player playing better than him in this field right now. And yeah. like, there's no, I don't think there's a close second, really. In terms of current form and the stretch that he's on, he's playing brilliantly. I know, obviously, Hassan, Lowry, and Fleetwood can do it at any point. McIntyre's ball striking is great, but Mimbley is superb. I don't think he did anything wrong last week. Um, even when it looked like he was going to sort of make a couple of mistakes and shoot himself out, he didn't. And I think if I liked him last week, why not this week? It, you know, he, he missed the cut at Yas Links last year and then won, or come second, sorry. And I think he can do the same here. Like, I'm not concerned about his course records. I'm just concerned with how well he's playing at the moment. Yeah, I mean, the way I like to attack this course is it's the off the tee and the short game. Like, in those opportunities where irons always, always are helpful, right? But maybe it's not as much of a demand. Minwoo is like perfect for those yeah. type of events. And that was last week in some aspects. And, you know, this week, even more, in my opinion, like, you, you know, I think of almost um, the year how Tong one, like yeah. similar, like when, when that type of game shows up and how Tong was really in good form there, that's kind of the Minwoo-esque way to play. And um, yeah, the fact that he's just doing it for what, five, five events in a row inside the top 12, right? Three of those doesn't, last doesn't three, two, three, down. four. Yeah. No. I, I, he, it's one of those ones where if he doesn't get a win during this period, he's going to regret it. And that yeah. maybe comes with his own pressure, but um, this is the best golf he's probably going to play consistently for years to come, I thought. And the next yep. step for him is to do it in the majors, but uh, that's another sort of conversation. Um, this is the closest I've ever been to backing Robert McIntyre when I haven't. Um, he basically just couldn't putt last week, but I'm going to bank on that happening again this week. So I love your next selection. It, it's so funny because... I was so mad at myself for betting Bob after being so against it last year. And then like just frustrated that he's sitting there T30 and never yeah. sniffed anything all week long. And he did, he putted really bad. Um, that is, that is for sure. But um, I don't know. It's just a short price. Right. Um, yeah. And, and it's, it's tough for me to, to really dive back in on, but yeah, if I think Min Wu is set up and, and we've talked, you know, about Guido in the sense of, We'll talk about him later again, but like a golfer in which I just trust that the skill set is going to pop at some point and be, you know, there in the mix. And you've seen big finishes and big time places. I almost think as high as anybody in this golfing world, and it's Lucas Herbert. Like I really, really enjoy backing him because even if it's off a miscut, if it's off of, you know, a really bad approach week, if, if it was a strong finish, like Herbert's style of game, um, I'm going to reference this twice today. I did a thread to start the year on like PGA tour per shot data. Um, it's, if you search back at, you know, I think it was like early January um, and what Herbert possesses from an upside with his short game. He's, I think he's the best putter in the world. He, he might not be the leader. I think he was the leader in strokes game putting last year, but like the amount of short game upside chip ins, long putts made, like we call it 90 percentile is what I graded out. Like, his percent to be able to do that almost consistently is incredible. Um, so he has that. And then the other best part of his game is off the tee, right? So I'm getting it into a course where that's going to play into the favor. Where did he play really well when I think it, I don't want to say this is like links ish at all, but like links setups, I think pull that in and that's what Minwoo possesses. And I think that's exactly uh, you know what Herbert possesses. And I mean, T15 at the open, you know, I mean, he just places, 
um, himself, you know, or, or at least has strong, strong finishes throughout the year in big time events. Yeah, and all that aside, like seventh, first, twenty second, and eighteenth here in four starts. Like, yeah, what more do we need? Like, to, you know, you can all the information is absolutely great, and the way you broke it down is perfect. But just from a completely outside point of view, you don't need to look much further than seventh, first, twenty second, and eighteenth for Lucas Herbert, who yep. has a has a history of repeating things and is probably a grade above some of these players now. Yeah, yeah, it, it's it's like. It, it, it boggles your mind a little bit. And like, that was a perfect example. He came in 64th, 67th, and then won. you know, yeah. when he was here in 2020, right? Like he is not a form type of golfer. They priced him pretty, pretty decently in some ways, but also, I mean, you get into this weird range and we don't have a selection for a little bit of time, right? Peters, I think is deserving there, but then you, and then Smith and Fox kind of in that, that suit, but then you also have answer in the field. You know, this time you have Patrick Reed in the field this week, Rasmus Hoygaard, you know, something like it's, um, like upside, I don't know, like it's just a, a funky range where, uh, I mean, even what, Sep, Sep's deep down the board now this week. Like it's just a weird time of DP World Tour pricing. Um, yeah. And I, I like I like what Herbert, like is, I, I love the Minwoo number. I love the form. I, I, I doubt Minwoo is shorter price in any event that they were teeing it up together probably at another time. But I think about that more, right? Like majors, Herbert probably would have had shorter odds, better DraftKings price. You know what I mean? Like I think. Yeah. Yeah, head to head, they're probably. Yeah, head to head, they're probably Herbert's grading out the better player, right? So. I um, mean, Herbert probably was priced lower than Molinari too, right? And Moronk yeah. in all these situations, right? I, I think. I think there's a range now where they don't know what to do with people. Like they keep protecting themselves a little bit with Thomas Peters because of what he showed last year, but he hasn't really lived up yep. to it. Uh, they're taking a bit of a chance on on the live guys with the Reed and Answer, and I think Answer's probably like Reed's not played well, but Answer's probably a live threat. Uh, and I thought Nikolai was interesting, but I didn't get there. Yeah, that was the one that uh, I was struggling with. The fact that I just didn't, because I would think of it's just Nikolai doesn't possess the consistent short game that I would really like to see here. Yeah. Um, but his his game right now is probably his ball striking was exceptional last week. You know, he played lousy, I would say, you know, in some ways. He finished 10th, you know, and, and for it the second the, straight event. His irons are not always great. So the fact that you see him play sort of like top 10 of his irons and then the first off the tee is kind of what he can do. Um, he only needs to have a streaky putting or short game where he can all of a sudden he's in contention here. So I think he's the one of the ones I'm struggling to leave out, but will do for now. Yep, yep. Um, next selection that we run into we almost just like briefly mentioned him in passing last week uh, as I kind of closed out the show with people that I was intrigued on. Um, and it was Patrick Harrington. Yeah. He gave a real run at it but last week. I thought he could win at one point. I, I really yeah. did because he, he spoke about it on air. He was like, I relished this. Uh, I think because they referenced his Champions Tour, Champions Tour wins and how that helps. And he said, look, every time you're in the fight, it doesn't matter who you're playing against. Um, it's good for you. And, and he is so sure of himself. He said, like, you know, I do think I have a mental edge on these type of golf courses. I do think I have a mental edge in convention. Um, I, I generally believe he could top 10 in, in a major this year if, if he, you know, he's playing them. So I mean, he top 10 um, major, the Phil one, right? Yeah, 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 exactly. So I think he's, I mean, he played that final day with Lowry, I think. So, um, yeah, I, I think he's, I think the only thing that happened to him, he was like, like 80 to 1. They went into like 45, 40 to 1 over in the UK. So, I jumped off him there, but like the 70 to one number, I think you can still get on three, six, five and places yes. like that is, is pretty good. Yeah. 
Yeah, I, I'm in on the 70s with him. I mean, so, right, you bring back his events. He he won the last event in the Challenge Tour. He was fourth, third, and this one's there. But the DP World Tour events that he played, the last two was the fourth. He finished 17th at the Alfred Dunhill Lynx. Um, you know, like, it, it wasn't the best year. I mean, he dominated the Challenge Tour, but, like, he just has – I, don't, I mean, you think of it too, and, and then you bring the ancillary fact of his game that we talk about, and then all of a sudden you see he finished second, or I mean, two top tens in a row the last two years at this yeah. course in this event. It's like, okay. And, like, and he, never, he never used to play this event. I think he pretty much only started playing this event to scout Ryder Cup players. Like, he never played this event. You look back to the course, the, to the course history, he hasn't played for like 12 years before his last three starts. So he, now that he's gone sort of top tens in it, uh, suggests to me that he, he likes it and he's going to come back and give it another go. Yep, 100%. Um, I'm going to give a plug here um, for the audio listeners. And I, I'm going to give this plug because those that are watching on video, you're like seeing like 90% of my, my face. I'm like losing an ear because of this little glare I have. So um, I appreciate the, the YouTube listeners like, review, leave a funny comment, you know, ragging on me. I appreciate that. Um, but if you were an audio listener, um, you can find us on Daily Fantasy Sports Picks and Bets of the Mix, available on all different podcast platforms. Um, we appreciate the love there. Um, appreciate the umbrella. Um, AO Media Network provides a lot of us for that. Um, so we're, we're hoping to continue the year off strong. After we finished last year, great. Another win here. And now we kind of get into some of the longer shots. I think Harrington, you know, is kind of one um, there. If you get in the 70s, I think it's going to be over to you next, right, Tom? You still saw Yeah. Yeah, so if you want to go into, you might have two of them before my next one here. So you want to go back to back? Yeah, I'll go into, I'll go into the first one. Thorpe Jonasson for me was actually the first person I wrote down, not because I think he's the best bet of the week, but just because I was watching the, the coverage of the weekend and he kept popping up. And I think people forget about him just because he had that time away. I mean, know why he had the time away. If you don't Google it, I'm not going to go into that. Um, but when someone goes away like that and then they come back and they're a little bit rusty, as long as it's not injury-related or loss of form related, I'm always quite intrigued by how they're going to bounce back. And he's been brilliant since he won again uh, the British Masters. And 24th in approach last week, he was 6th with his irons on Saturday and gained in each of the two rounds over the weekend. He was 8th in strokes gained off the tee, gained every round, top 10 on Friday and Sunday off the tee. He finished 20th, but he was actually 11th going into the final day. And he's only three shots back of the lead. So he was pretty poor and can, like... I don't know if you call it contention because it was so bunched. I feel like if he was just third and and there was a distant fifth and sixth, whatever, I think he'd be giving it a real good account. I think he just got lost in the group. But he's been third, fifth, seventh, eighth uh, here in 10 starts. He's just got two miscuts. One of them was on debut. So that's four top eight finishes uh, in 10 starts at this golf course. He just feels to me like he's the type of person in this range that can win a Rolex series event. And that's what we've got here. So Thilby and Anderson for me, and then the other one was Henrik Stenson. I, I just, I found it, I read a quote and he basically said that, they're basically asking about the Ryder Cup, right? And it was like, you know, how are you going to cope with not being there? And he was like, look, I've watched Ryder Cups from home before. Um, and he said, I can also still just qualify through winning the Open Championship, which I think is a bit of a throwaway comment. And I don't think he actually believes he's going to win the Open Championship. I'm not, not hanging on that every word. But then you go and look back at the stats. He was first in ball striking last week. 33rd in driving distance, second in driving accuracy, first in greens and regulation. What has Henry Stenson been in the past? He's been a ball striking merchant. That's what he is. 12th in strokes going approach, six off the tee. Open with a 68 last week, closed with a 66. He's only been positive about the fact that everyone that's spoken to him has been nice to him. So I don't think there's any reason for those kind of concerns. I look at Podrick Harrington reinventing his career three times over. 
Um, and I think Stinson can do exactly the same. So at a similar price to Harrington, I actually think, well, Henry Stinson's actually, you can get 100 to 1, 90 to 1 DraftKings Sportsbook. Uh, I think that's great. I, I think that for somebody that's clearly got a reason to, you know, play well, he's won at yeah. this golf course before. He's got six top eight finishes here, including the second and the third over the past 15 years since he won that time in 2007 as well. Uh, I think he's, I think he's a great pair. Yeah, it's, uh, I mean, just such an interesting, you never can really quantify like motivation and like be able to like, yeah, yeah, yeah. cause everyone's going to have something, but man, if, if you have there, they all have chips on their shoulders. Right? Yeah. And that is one part of the equation. The other part is the, the pricing them with opportunity. Like if you think Abe answer is Abe answer, <laughs> Abe answer a year ago, yeah. what, what, did, did Abe play this event last year? I don't think he did. I think he played uh, maybe Abu Dhabi. He, he played somewhere. He but... played He played Wentworth at, in the middle of the year, but that was post-live too. But like you weren't, even Reed, like, you know he what did, I mean? Like he'd Reed, have been 25, 28 to 1. Easily. Yeah. I don't think you would see like Minbu and those guys. Play. I mean, they were, so like you have opportunity if you believe those guys have the same form. And I think Stenson's just a bit different. I think that he's not going out there and doing what the Westwoods and the Polters are that are very vocal and, you know, you can have whatever, uh, you know, beliefs about them if you like. But he's just kind of, you know, he's, I feel like he's just accepted that he lost the Ryder Cup captaincy, signed that away. Um, and he's like, look, I'll just I'll just make the team. And I, I don't believe, I don't believe that he believes he's going to win the Open Championship. But I do think that, that's a great – you wouldn't even mention it if you weren't playing well. And the fact that he was top 20, had two great rounds, ball striking, the lights out, uh, everything you want to see from Stenson returns to a golf course. And we've seen it with, with Harrington. The, the older guys can still win on this tour. It doesn't happen as much on the PJ Tour now, but DP World Tour, I think it's still possible. Yep, 100%. Um, I'm going to go into my next two, both at 100 to 1. And, and it's just similar – I mean, we, you got to hear the, the Guido spiel, you know, last week. And it, I mean, wake it up to a low Guido round. There is just that that makes a Thursday time. And there was so many people that backed him. So from the bottom of my heart, like I, I just I just love what our man has created. And I mean, he's playing exceptional golf, right? I mean, you see somebody get through there, 36 holes and, you know, be right there. Of course, you know, played himself out of it over the weekend. Um you know, had multiple chances either to, to place or at least, you know, get a run at it. And, and you can say the same thing with Molinari, too. You know, they kind of both kind of threw that away in some ways for what they had ahead of them. But you're still getting triple digits once again. This part of the world where he's played well at. Um, driving test. I mean, that's the way Guido's game has shifted to more of a short game versus, you know, the, the long game. But, you know, he was positive off the tee. Um, and, and, you know, really, really good with the irons. So I, I think it's enough to keep going back to the well. And he's one, again, that at these numbers, I'm going to be back in week in and week out. And the one that I'm also going to think about doing it from a consistently standpoint is when we get Sammy Valamaki at deep numbers, it's hard for me to say no, Tom. And, and the reason why is Sunday. Did you see that Sunday round, yeah, right? 10 under, yeah. right? Best, best round in the field by three strokes. Beat the field average by eight. And he was also, um, I, I believe he was inside the top 10. I think he might've been fourth after the first round too. Um, so, you know, he had basically bookend great rounds was, was struggled Friday, Saturday. I mean, we saw him be decent in like big events, Scottish open type events. Like he, he was 
he has incredible upside. We know it's in there. It's can you string it together just like Guido for four days? Because I believe they can beat the best of the best in the DP World Tour. At 100 to 1, I'm going to go to war with both those guys. Yeah, I think that, that Guido's form doesn't look great. He was like miscut, falls here, miscut, I think. But he was yeah. he was 12th at the 36th hole stage the year that he made the cut and just fell away. And Falamaki a bit the same. He was like 20th at the halfway stage and fell away. Like they are just those type of golfers. We Guido showed it on Sunday. Like he just yeah. went away. Like, but his his best guy, he hit that shot where he just drove it in under the wind. And it was remarkable. Like I watch him and like some of the chips around the green and stuff. He's at his best when he has to be creative. And I think that's something you've got to keep in mind for him. Like you think about these kind of flat track courses where, you know, you might think he can string birdies together. But no, I think it's I think he's at his best when he is really tough and you know he has to pull off like the kind of hero shots. So I think he thrives under that. I think there's something about him yeah. um in France, obviously when he won that shot he hit on eighteen was incredible. And Valamaki's the same, like it's just streaky. And once you get to well, I think we say this quite often, once you get to the kind of hundred and hundred and fifty one mile, you're just looking for the guys you like, right? Yeah. You're just looking for the guys. I mean, like Rafa Cabrera Bello shows up in this part of the world all the time, especially in Soderberg was great for the most part last week. Um I've gone with one more who's a little bit more kind of volatile and, um, you know, just hasn't been himself for a long time. But Andy Sullivan, very miss, very hit and miss here at this golf course, but he's also got a second, a fourth, a sixth, and a twelfth. Uh, and he finished 17th last week and he improved every single day of his irons. So he was terrible Thursday and Friday of his irons, but then just picked up over the weekend. And he was 11th and 16th in back-to-back weeks in Spain as well before the break. So I think there's a, there's actually some consistencies um, creeping into Sullivan's game a bit now. And we're talking about a guy that has, like I said, three top six finishes in his last seven starts here. It's it's pretty impressive. So last eight starts maybe. But, you know, he's got a 12th as well on his debut. So there's something about this golf course that he obviously likes. Uh, we know he can... Look, you can wake up with Andy Sullivan. He's either going to be eight over through five or he's going to be eight under through 12. Like, that, that, it's, yeah. just, it's just Andy Sullivan. And... Uh, when he's 40 and 50 to one, it's very, very hard to be positive about him. When he's 110 to one uh, in a, an event that I think anyone can win. You look at the winner's list and it generally seems to go to a bit of an elite. Um, but I, I think that the field's not as stat this time. Like Rory's a clear favourite above everybody. And the kind of people behind him are not playing in the way. Like you had Victor and Rory last year. You had Paul Casey and, and the others the year before. Um, but look, Herbert and Bezuiden have won, uh, you know, contested that year in 2020. They weren't the best of the best then. Um, How Tong Lee beat Rory. Um, you know, I, I think you think you can do it. Stephen Gallagher went back to back here twice. So it's just, I think yep. it, it can be done. Yeah. And I, I, we talked about it last week, why we're willing to take on those guys. Like, because I don't stare at Hatton, Fleetwood and Lowry and, and wake up scared. I mean, I didn't love Lowry in contention. The odds. It was as if Lowry is on a different tier than those other guys. Not to say he isn't, but Sunday showed up. And he, and he almost needs like it to be like it was there for him to take all day. He had the opportunity, yeah. like he had the parts. There was nothing really. He wasn't grinding for anything, so he could just win, and he didn't. And I think he's at his best when he actually has to like Rory pushes him all the way at Wentworth or whatever. Yeah. Um, bit of a motivation thing, probably just a bit lackluster, um, and also just cold with the passes, which is what it is. But. Uh, Perez and Mimbuli didn't give him anything and, and it kind of caught up with him. And I think, you know, Fleetwood's been pretty disappointing since that win at the Ned Bank. Um, Hatton was good for one round, really. I mean, it was it 18 pars on Thursday. So um, it wasn't quite Nick Fowler winning the Open, but that's what he was doing. Um, so, you know, I, I think they're beatable and, you know, we, we're taking them on. Yep, 100%. Um, close us down here with 
one of my favorite things that we get in this event every year, and they always have amateur invitations to, to the best of the best, not just like country representatives or, you know, like qualifiers, things like one, two in the world amateur golf rankings are, are teeing it up this week. Ludwig Aberg, um, he is the number one golfer uh, in, in Wagger, I would say probably deserving so. And he's actually better priced than the two. He, he's 225 to one on some books, as low as 125 um, or even 100 to one. And he had multiple victories as an amateur uh, on the, the Nordic Golf League. Um, when he got going, he was kind of coming out with um, with Vincent Norman, country mate, Swedes. Um, and, you know, Ludwig um, is deserving. He's a Texas Tech playing there. Great, great college golfer. But he's not the one that I'm siding with on my card. Even, I mean, you look at his last events, you know, eighth, fifth, third, seventh. He just hasn't, when he's gotten PGA or Euro starts, hasn't really taken advantage of them. Now, the the number two uh, amateur in, in Wagger um, is Michael Thornbjörnson, and what separates for Thornbjörnson to me is you know they are neck to neck the the best amateurs right now in college golf. He's gone third, eighth, eighth, first, eleventh this fall, um, his last five events. But we got a chance to see Thornbjörn at the U.S. Open, and he missed the cut at the U.S. Open. But what they doesn't reflect in there is he led the field in strokes gained off the tee on round two of that event. So it was something where I, I had to double take again, the, the, a major, right? A, a major championship that you're having an amateur lead the field. The last time I seen something like that was when Will Zalatoris hit like 18 greens in regulation at Shinnecock on Friday when people were dying out there. They were like literally couldn't, couldn't. That was the one of the, I mean, Saturday was even worse, but Friday people struggled and, and Zalatoris was pounding greens as somebody who was a no name at the time. So what does Theorem Dorsen do the next week, right? He gets an opportunity to tee it up in, in the Travelers Championship. Kid is an amateur. He, he literally was in contention on the back nine on Sunday, finishing solo fourth in that event. He was fifth in the, or sixth in the field when it came to off the tee. He led the field in putting. And what was the combination that I, that I wanted to go after this week? It was off the tee and short game. And I don't know enough about Ludwig because we don't really have strokes gained to, to be able to qualify this, but I know what Thurm Bjornsson does. In that tweet thread I mentioned earlier, I was like, you know what? This guy, like his numbers in six rounds were staggering. If you look at what he did when it came to uh, per shot data, it, it goes, and again, he doesn't have a big sample size, but it goes Rom. Cam Young, Pendrith, Brent Grant, which is super random, but he can really drive on the KFC. Fjorn Bjornsson, McElroy, Champ, Thompson, Davis Thompson, and Victor Perez round out your top 10 there. Small sample sizes for a few of those, but of the small sample sizes, we're seeing Victor Perez win an event. Davis Thompson go head to head with, you know, Rom on a Sunday like that. And then you get to see what Fjorn Bjornsson did of the Travelers. So, his odds are short. I think he's 130 to one is the best price we can get at DraftKings there for him. I, I mean, somebody that's finishing fourth in a PGA Tour tournament, not many people in this field have that, and we only have a limited amount of starts for him. So I am going to go take my selection with, with Jerome Bjornsson uh, as my final one. Yeah, and he did, he did make the cut in the 2019 US Open at Pebble. Like, he opened 71-73, shot 84-76 over the weekend to finish literally last of the people who made the cut. But to put it into context, like, Patrick Cantley opened 73-71, Tyrrell 70, 74, 
Jason Day 7073, Tiger 7072. Oh, that was the kind yeah. of numbers that he was performing over the first day. So first two days. So he's got a real talent. That was four years ago. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's just the pedigree of these kids coming out. Take a shot. Sam Bennett got to play it. I mean, you know, I probably backed the one every year and see that. But I have high, high hopes for Derm Bjornsson. Um, and, and there's going to be enough, you know, you know, to round out DraftKings lineups with him in Ludwig, I believe, to, to close us out. Um, so we'll keep it a little bit tighter. Can we review our betting cards for us? Tom, you want to go first? Yep. So Mimu Lee, for me, 22 to 1 best price. Thorbjorn Olison, 80 to 1 best price. Henrik Stenson, 100 to 1. And Andy Sullivan at 125 to 1. Perfect, perfect. So I am on with you, uh, with Min Woo Lee there as we start. Um, so 22s is the best price there still. Lucas Herbert, 35 to 1. Padre Carrington, 70 to 1. Um, and I'll go top fives on the rest here. Guido Migliazzi, 100 to 1. Sammy Valamaki, 100 to 1. And Michael Thurman Bjornsson, 130 to 1. Tom, you said it to end the show last week. You know, you can't win them all if you don't win the first. We can win the first and the second, man. Let's stay <laughs> you, hot. You can't win the ball. We don't win the second. I'm just going to keep saying it yeah. until we can't. Um, hey. I must admit, look, if I could take one name off your card and, and put it in mind, it would be uh, Lucas Herbert. So anyone that was kind of on the fence about taking that pick, uh, take that pick, I would say. Love it. Love it. Thanks, Tom. Good luck, everybody. And we'll catch you again next week. 